calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to a special review episode of The Geek Buddy! Where we're reviewing the uh, first episode of season two of The Mando Warriors! Great stuff. Excited to be back doing this uh, with you two, and especially for you all who are watching or listening to us here on the Geek Buddies. A lot of fun. This is where we're going to put the reviews of The Mandalorian on the Outlaw Nation channel. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about this one. All right, we're back. Season 2 debuted last night as we're recording this at midnight on Disney+. Plus. It's called The Marshal, considered Episode 9. Uh, and so much happens here. We go back and tattoo in quick synopsis. The Mandalorian goes to Tatooine in order to find another Mandalorian. Instead, he finds a marshal that has Boba Fett's armor. They have to fight a crate dragon with Tusken Raiders and the citizens of Mos Pelgo. After defeating the dragon, Din, uh, that is the Mandalorian, is given Boba Fett's armor by Cobb Vanth as part of their deal. And Boba Fett is revealed to still possibly 
be alive. We're going to get into all of that. And, uh, you know, this is going to be spoiler heavy. That's it, guys. That's the review. We're done. Good episode. Good episode. (laughs) Bye. Number one. (laughs) See you next Uh, week. (laughs) So just letting you all know, we're going to spoil the episode for sure on this on this uh, review. So just letting you know before we start. Spoilers. Anyway, uh, let's get into it. Gentlemen, first, your overall feelings uh, about this episode and the way this introduced us back into the world of Mandalorian in season two. Fantastic. Fantastic. I was a little nervous after they they uh, met John Leguizamo's character, the the, the Cyclops guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was a little nervous. Abyssian. They... Abyssian. Is that? Uh, sorry. Apologies. I think I think I think that's <laughs> right. Is Gore Koresh is his name. But yes, Gore Koresh. But he is an Abyssian, I think. I think so, too. Yep. Regardless, when they got to Tatooine and we saw Amy Sedaris, I was like, oh, yeah. this is my least favorite character from right. my least favorite episode of the first season. Luckily, she did not grate on me as much this time. Yeah. I hate that wig so much. But everything else about the show I thought was just dynamite. The mm-hmm. whole rolling into the dusty town, how everyone's kind of staring at this outsider. Yeah. So so fantastic and the you can just tell that already the show was probably expensive they have leveled up huge i mean just the the scale of this episode the action everything was dynamite i mean i i would venture to say that this is the best episode of the series thus far wow uh mike what's your feelings about this episode I, I don't know about that. I think the season finale, uh, I think chapter eight is probably my favorite episode still, uh, just because so much character stuff happens. But right. I was super thrilled about this episode. I was so happy. I I, I think the, the best thing I can say about Mandalorian is that it makes me feel the way Star Wars should make you feel. Like, it yeah. makes me feel like I'm a kid all over again. I think, uh, you know, in, in, in a Venn diagram where where uh, sci-fi, fantasy, and Western meets, that's where Star Wars' sweet spot is. And I do think this episode kind of nailed that to a T. So mm-hmm. it was great. Tons to talk about. Uh, I will say that when Amy Sedaris showed up, uh, all I could think of was, oh, Shannon is so mad right now. But, <laughs> but I find her and her pit droids absolutely delightful. So yeah. I was happy to see her again. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. Uh, Peli Motto, that's her name. I, I like seeing her whenever she shows up. It's the it's the Bill Burr one that I can't handle, but Amy Sedaris, I didn't mind. This, isn't, this was an interesting episode in the fact that we didn't pick up right where we left off with this idea of, you know, Moff Gideon and the black lightsaber. There was none of that addressed necessarily or talked about. We're just going, okay, he's got to go return Yoda, baby Yoda or the child back to his kind. What adventures is he going to go on? And this was just like one of those episodes in the middle of the season, last season, kind of a, what a quote for lack of a better term, monster of the week episode. But, and there were shades of other, you know, other episodes from the first season that were uh, kind of weaved into here, but I did, uh, but we also got some Lawrence of Arabia vibes. We've got some high plains drifter vibes. We got more time with the Tuscan Raiders, which I was excited about. We did go back to Tatooine. We get Cobb Vanth and we had talked about Cobb Vanth on a previous episode of the geek buddies and shout out to slash film and everybody there who kind of broke the story about Timothy Oliphant possibly being Cobb Vanth and the history of Cobb Vanth. Uh, in the books and in the, the lore of Star Wars, a very recent history for sure. Mike, you know this with the aftermath trilogy of books, 
he is part of that. So we got his backstory a little bit, and then we got the two gunslingers coming together, bringing in the two warring factions to come together to go against the ultimate evil, or what they term to be the ultimate evil of Crate Dragon, which has connections with the Tusken Raiders, because apparently killing a Crate Dragon is supposedly a rite of passage for Tusken Raiders as they come into being male or adult Tusken Raiders. I mean, so that's look, part in of episode four... In episode four, we watched C-3PO and R2-D2 walk right past the skeleton of a crate dragon. Yeah, so, uh, so it has yeah. been it has been in Star Wars from the beginning. We've just never quite seen it so big and yeah. horrifying and huge <laughs> and acid spitting. But you know, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing that I think Favreau and Filoni do so well is they're able to look back into the films that have preceded the series, and they're able to grab just a morsel, like the smallest mm-hmm. thing that we saw. We saw the skeleton in the background as uh, as the droids are walking down. Like we're making an episode out of that. Like mm-hmm. like let's let's talk about let's talk about this. Let's make mm-hmm. a, a whole adventure yeah. out of this. Yeah. No, and I think I think Mandalorian uh, has done this from the beginning, and I think you're absolutely right. Where uh, Star Wars, what made Star Wars amazing when it came out is it was sci-fi, but it felt like a very lived-in universe. It mm-hmm. felt like there was a history there. And you're, Shannon's absolutely right. They kind of they take the history and they pull up little pieces. And they're like, oh, well, let's build a thing out of this. Let's build an episode around this. Let's build a character around this. And I think that's super, super cool. Um, Yeah, I think that, uh, and I do think that this definitely still feels like Mandalorian season one in that it was an adventure of the week. You know, there's a beginning, middle, and end. He shows up on Tatooine. He wants to get that armor. He has to do a thing. They do the thing. He gets the armor. He leaves. But as opposed to season one where he was sort of aimlessly flying around from week to week and we weren't quite sure what was happening, he does have more of a mission now. Like we know he is looking for Mandalorians. So there's a little bit more of a drive. And of course, with the Tamora Morrison moment at the end revealing Boba Fett, we are sort of doing a little bit more connecting. That was Boba Fett. You hold up your hand all you want. That's That's Boba Fett. Fett. I, I, I don't know how you guys can say that so confidently. Boba Fett's not supposed to age. It's said in the in the lexicon that Boba Fett was made as a clone to be a non-aging clone. No, to clone age at a normal. To age, no, no, no. To, to age, age at a normal rate. No, nope, nope, nope. Don't agree with you guys, but go ahead. Keep you, going. I mean, you can you can agree or disagree. The correct thing that they that Django more that Django Fett wanted because the Camino Caminoans the Caminoans Caminoans. They rapidly aged clones so that they could be ready to fight in the right. Clone Wars. And right. all that Jango Fett wanted was a clone that would be his son that would age at a normal rate. So An, un- an unaltered clone, I believe. Hold on. Was, I believe Here it is. In Attack of the Clones, the Kaminoan Prime Minister Lama Su tells Obi-Wan that Boba was a pure genetic replication with no tampering with the structure to make it more docile and no growth acceleration. Yeah, right. So he's so he's gonna age so they're normally. Not, so he's so gonna age normally. He's not gonna accelerate. That's your interpretation of my. To me, growth acceleration implies the aging. So <laughs> that's I mean, not what it is. It is that's your opinion we, that that's not what it is. But no, 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 no it's, it's yeah, it is. It's, your this opinion. is not. No, no, no. It's fine that you can have your belief on something, but all other Star Wars fans are on board with the fact that clones accelerate their age, right. and Jango Fett wanted a cl- a clone. That was not tampered with and would not accelerate. Accelerate and age are two different things. Accelerate Accelerate means go faster. Yeah, so he would not age faster, thus the acceleration word. Yeah, all right. But then that uh, that would put him at 41 years old, if we say that, depending on the timeline of Boba Fett. And Tamar Morrison is 59. Well, so, and he got digested by a sarlacc. 
Well, a fictional universe can't actually de-age somebody in real life, so you're gonna have people playing people at different ages. I don't know I'm what just to saying, tell you. I, I don't think the jury. I don't think the jury's in yet that he's absolutely Boba Fett, but we'll if, see. If if just just I I will let this go. If if he no, it's if, a good debate to have, if, and if not everyone is believing this is Boba Fett. By the way, on these uh, Star Wars sites, by, whether or not by, by your logic, if he is an unaging clone, then why would yeah. he age from Attack of the Clones to Empire Strikes Back to become an adult? Uh, well, I'm saying I don't know what the situation is with him in terms of is he because he hit a point and then that's it. He he grows no more than that. He ages no more than that once he achieves full uh, adulthood. I don't know. Well, you do know because they say it in Attack of the Clones. But moving on, right. uh, I do you got think the last that word, this though. is... You got the last word. Go ahead. <laughs> Way to go. Um, go ahead. I do think, um, assuming he is Boba Fett, I am pretty interested to see what happens. Uh, yeah, you know, sure. like how, I, I guess he would have been, I mean, like I timeline-wise, uh, not sure how long he's been out of the Sarlacc pit. Not mm-hmm. sure what happened. I mean, he's got this scar on his face, so one would assume however he made it out of the Sarlacc pit, he was pretty weak, which is why the Jawas got his armor. Right. Why has he not tried to get his armor back until now? Yeah. Um, Presumably, given the uh, clanking of the boots, he is the same. This is the same character that we saw at the end of the last Tatooine yes. episode yes. in season one. Five, um, so, yeah. what has he been doing? What you know? Wh- where are we mm-hmm. going with this? And also remember, and this is a kind of an interesting little tidbit: like Boba Fett hates Jedi. I mean, yes. Jedi killed his dad. Right. In Clone Wars the animated series, he pretty much was all about let's kill Jedi, and then he died. Uh, after fighting a Jedi on Santa's sail barge, or Santa, Jabba's sail barge. Uh, so, you know, if he does team up, if he does show up, meet up with Mando, uh, you know, real, what's going to happen once he find out, finds out there's a Force-sensitive kid there? Like, is he going to want to kill Baby Yoda? Like, what's going right. to happen? So I think, like, he is kind of a fun wild card to play, and it's nice to see Boba Fett back in the universe, assuming this is actually him. Right, and something to support both you guys' arguments is that Star Wars uh, filed, uh, as of a couple of days ago, uh, more trademarks for Boba Fett. They re-upped their filing for Boba Fett for fiction books, uh, science books, fantasy, uh, blank journals, binders, clipboards, posters, notebooks, trading cards. So they re-up that in anticipation, possibly, of this being uh, Boba Fett, and it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that it is Boba Fett because in other um, not considered canon writings, Boba Fett has been around or es- escaped the scar, la- the Sarlacc pit, uh, in a number of ways. You know, there's rumors that the, there were rumors that the stories rather that the Sarlacc compa- he made the Sarlacc compact on his jetpack and that exploded him out of the Sarlacc pit. Uh, he even says that in one of the comic book series, I think, in the early '90s. That uh, when he confronts Solo again, he says the Solo that uh, the Sarlacc found him undigestible or not digestible, and so there's possibilities that it could be Boba Fett. I'm not saying you guys are right or wrong. I'm just saying I'm keeping my jury out for now until we know for sure because it could be Commander Co- Rex, it could be Rex Commander Cody, it could be any number of the clones. It doesn't it have be. to be Boba Fett. So. It could be. Right. I doubt that it is, but it could be. Sure. Uh, like nobody, nobody would love to see Rex in live action more than I would, but I'm pretty sure we are looking at a boba here. Okay. Um, if it walks like a boba, it talks like a boba. It's a boba. It's a cl- so we'll but it's see. A clone, though. I don't know. I don't know. Well, well they're all clones. That's what I'm saying. So it could be anybody. It could be anybody. Um, but one anyway. is an unaltered clone. Sure, if you say so. 
Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> All right. So let's. Well, no, I also. Because that's the. Well, end I also of the really. Yeah. Well, I also really did love. I mean, just kind of getting to the meat of the episode. Yeah. Uh, I really did love just the straight up Western vibes of the whole thing. I yeah. loved, as Shannon said, Mando kind of coming into the town on the speeder bike, really slow. All the townsfolk kind of looking at him. I love that it was just this tiny little outpost down. I mean, you think of Moss Eisley or Moss Espa as kind of small, but they yeah. seem like giant cities compared to this little outpost. Right. Uh, and I mean, I loved him going, he walks into the saloon, Timothy Oliphant, Mr. Deadwood himself comes in. So like the yeah. whole thing was just built to be even more of a Western than what we usually get in Star Wars. Yeah. And I think they did it great. Even getting into everything, you know, the the uh, the townsfolk, the settlers and mm-hmm. the indigenous peoples having to work together at the end. Like, I mean, everything about this was just really, really fun, spaghetti Western stuff that is like the meat and potatoes of Star Wars. Yeah. And so I thought that was super fun. And then kind of just the constant sort of nods to every other piece of stuff. Like I love that uh, I love that Cobb Vance uh, uh, Cobb Vance rides a engine of a pod racer instead of a speed racer. Could be. You know I mean, I just all uh, yeah. Pro- I don't think it is. I think already people who are way yeah. more geeky than uh, I am have already compared the engine to all the engines from episode one. And they're like, "Mm, don't think that one matches any. And that was a long time ago. But (laughs) I do think it's just awesome, you know, kind of the nod to pod racing. And so I think that was all great. I, the the crate Dragon being this sort of smog meets alien meets the Graboids from Tremors. Like the whole thing was awesome. Uh, So yeah, I was just super enthralled by the entire episode. I've yeah, got a crazy it, theory about this episode, which I'll tell at the end of the show. But yeah, go ahead, Shannon. What were you going to say next? I mean, I love, I love, and I loved Oliphant. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm a big Timothy Oliphant fan, and that he was sure. kind of channeling his Raylan Givens, uh, Seth Bullock characters from Justified mm-hmm. and uh, and Deadwood. And he was not the only former Deadwood cast member in this episode. The guy who plays the bartender, yeah. is a guy named W. Earl Brown, who played yeah. Dan in Deadwood, who was a Swear Engine's kind of right hand man, and right. he was also I was a. Uh, he was in the first movie that I was ever in. I had a I had a fight scene with that guy. Nice. Hey, he's also he Mister. Uh, he's also Mister. Frank and Beans from Something About Mary. So from that's the, same, yep. that's <laughs> he's the same actor. So he's certainly he's Mary's brother. Boy range, yeah, absolutely. I I, enjoy, I enjoyed the western slash samurai vibes of this one as well. Uh, really enjoyed. Yeah, as you said, coming into the town just like you would see Yojimbo come into the town uh, in in the Kurosawa samurai film. Same way Gunslinger coming into town. I like that the dress is still like the 70s dress from that star wars stuff that's all still there in that town because of course they're an outpost they're they're in essence a suburb of the city way out so i mean they're not going to necessarily be all in touch with what's happening but i really enjoyed the uh story of Cobb vent and seeing you know the second death star blew up and then seeing what happened something called the mining collective coming in and taking over and enslaving the town and them having to fight back you know and the original Cobb Vant story it's a little more complicated than that but you get the basic bones of this story that he's a kind of hero who saved the town and it's called the marshal which is great but him giving up the armor is fascinating to me and i just have a feeling that you don't cast timothy oliphant for one episode so in some way i feel like he's going to come back like cara dune did in season one so we're going to see more of that and them teaming up together was a great combo oh my god Uh, and I've got to find a Tuscan Raider glossary or dictionary to learn how to speak that language because that language was a lot of grunts and twists and hand signals, and I enjoyed well, all of that too. I, I did. I did not know this, but I found this fascinating, and I kind of went back and listened to it. And it is uh, 
Obi-Wan Kenobi in episode four scares the Tuscan Raiders away by making yeah. the noise of a crate dragon. Yeah. Um, and the noise that the crate dragon makes, if you listen to it, it's just a louder more, but you're like, oh yeah, that matches up. Again, it's one of those Filoni sort of let's take a thing over here and be like, yeah, we'll make that this thing, uh, right. which I thought was really great. One thing that you were talking about, Johnny, and I thought this was yeah. great, I, and I'm excited that season two is doing this is, we know when Mandalorian takes place and we right. knew it was five years after Return of the Jedi, but like with Cobb Vanth sort of talking his backstory, we're starting to fill in some of those gaps about mm-hmm. the things that happened from the moment the Death Star, the second Death Star exploded yeah. to what happened. And I loved what he said about, you know, uh, you know, like uh, power, power doesn't love a vacuum. Like, you know, yeah. something's going to step in to take the place. And that's kind of what happened. So I thought filling in those gaps for us. And I feel like, you know, this season is going to be filling in a lot of gaps about, you know, uh, Moff Gideon kind of mentions mm-hmm. the siege of Mandalore, the night of a thousand tears or something. Right. And so I think as Mando does find more Mandalorians, uh, mm-hmm. including hopefully Bo- Bo-Katan and Sabine Wren, uh, we're going to get the the history of Mandalore filled in a little bit too and find out yeah. what happened on that siege and why the Mandalorians kind of got spread far and wide. So I think yeah. that we're going to get a lot of answers this season that uh, people have been really wondering about. Well, yeah. and you figure sure. with the Empire, you know, the Empire was was kind of out in the outer rim. We saw mm-hmm. that in we saw that in A New Hope. But, you know, they talk about in the prequels how, you know, the Republic doesn't really make it out that far. Mm-hmm. So now that the Empire is gone and the new Republic is having to build up, the last places they're probably going to get are going to be planets like Tatooine and Absolutely. maybe Navarro. And that's why the Empire still had a little bit of a presence there. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, that, that's just such that's such smart uh, filling in the blank storytelling, as you said, yeah. Mike. Yeah, uh, I like I like that we got some good action in this thing. Both of them using their jetpacks was awesome and fun. Uh, I like that the Tuscan Raiders come into. I like this idea once again. Star Wars always presents this idea of people coming together to fight a bigger evil, right? This, like, even though the you know it's very clear from the marshal that the Tuscan Raiders have attacked that town more than once and they have lived up to their names as Raiders. Uh, they still have to work together with them to defeat this overall evil and it's interesting to see how much the mandalorian has progressed as a fighter uh you know remember those creatures in the first episode were tearing him to pieces and he adjusted his armor he adjusted his he seems to have grown as a as a fighter himself he get you know he slid through that acid blew the dude blew that thing up from the middle and slid on out there uh looking great um jetpack jetpack makes a big difference it does, right? And also uh, the idea that he's cool with the droids now. That's also kind yeah. of a progression of the character uh, of that's, the yeah. as well. I really did like that whole, like based on what happened with IG-11 at the end of uh, the first season, that yeah. they really hit that right away in a nice subtle way with the pit droids. I, uh, yeah. I definitely agree. And along the Tusken Raider line, I mean, I was thinking about this as I watched it. We spent more time with Tusken Raiders in this episode than I think we have in the entirety of Star Wars. Yes, I mean, I they're sort of, in episode four. They're sort of used as a threat that's going to attack Luke. And now, after watching this episode, I feel even worse for the Tusken Raiders in Attack of the Clones that Anakin killed. Uh, granted, yeah. they were holding his mom as a slave, but like, I mean, for um, a month. So, so, so I'm not saying I'm not <laughs> saying it wasn't warranted. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I really like the way that they are sort of uh, nuancing the Tusken Raiders because taking yeah. taking even something like those characters and adding some dimension, adding some culture, adding a little like all the stuff with them kind of sharing the cup and Cobb like not wanting to drink it and them getting in a fight and Mando sort of playing the uh, the negotiator between them like all of that was just like that were those were just great character moments, culture moments, like things that are now and what's great about Star Wars is now 
Star Wars fans across the board, uh, both Star Wars fans who are just fan fanboys and fangirls writing fan fiction, up to yeah. Star Wars fans that are going to be making the books and the novels and the animated series and everything else, yeah. we now have more to play with with Tusken Raiders. Yeah. There's yeah. now going to be whole stories about young Tusken Raider braves that are going out into the desert to do these mm-hmm. things. Like, so it's gonna it's exciting to see how not only is Mandalorian taking what came before it. And yeah. using it to create great story, but it's also creating new nuances and characters we thought we knew or aliens yeah. that we thought we knew and allowing us to imagine how those characters can kind of take on their own stories moving forward, which is the best yeah. thing about Star Wars. Yeah, and there's a massive history behind the Tusken Raiders and how they came to be. And if you do a deep dive in the Star Wars wiki, you can find all the stuff from the past of how they came to be and why they are the way they are, what it is that sparked this whole creation of them and the the way they do the things that they do. Uh, what did you guys feel about them going back to Tatooine? Did, did you feel like we're, like, was it going to the well a bit too much, you know, going back to the old story? Or do you think it serviced this story well and it didn't bother you that much i think i think as long as there there's a purpose behind it like mm. like the episode in season one where they went to tatooine that one i was like ah you know we've we've been to this planet before like what mm-hmm. what what new stuff are we going to discover but you really can't get this the, the great episode that we got this season without laying a little bit of the groundwork that they laid in the first season mm-hmm. and additionally it makes sense now like in season one i had the exact same thought you guys did i was like well yeah. why are we like we could have done this planet we could have done this story anywhere why go to tatooine it is right. now clear that the reason that we went to tatooine was 1000 percent for the last 20 seconds of that episode mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they wanted to tease a somebody who right. has now been revealed and this time going to tatooine like you gotta go to Tatooine. Like, wh- in the world of Star Wars, if you're a Mandalorian and you're looking for other Mandalorians, and people are like, "I've seen that armor before," right? That that there is the most well-known piece of Mandalorian armor, and that's where it is. So this one made a lot more mm. sense, and it also, in retrospect, went, oh, "Okay, I get why you went there the first time. I'll give it to you." Right. What it's something to think about too is, well, what if he he has Boba Fett's armor now? Is why did he take the armor? Is he going to return it to the man? Is he going to return it to what you guys think is Boba Fett? Is that is that what's going to happen here? And what is that going to wield in terms of a relationship or a I, a connection? I wonder. Well, well I, I think, think he just took that. it. I mean, I think he might. That might end up happening. I mm. think he just took it because he feels, as part of his creed as a Mandalorian, right. that armor either has to be on a Mandalorian or it has to be melted to become Beskar uh, for someone else's thing. Like, like okay. that's part of what, like that Beskar is, and actually, you know, and they, they do a good job of setting this up at the beginning, like yeah. uh, Gore Koresh, John Leguizamo, yeah. makes it very clear at the beginning that, you know, as bad as things were for the Mandalorians, now they're literally being hunted down and picked yes. off one by one for their Beskar armor, which is becoming more and more and more valuable. So mm-hmm. they kind of set up the idea that this Beskar, so, you know, it does make sense that he would want to take that armor and hold on to it to either return to somebody, give to another Mandalorian, or melt down. Yeah. Now, what what's going to happen when, uh, again, potentially, Boba Fett, who probably wants his armor back, but also probably still hates Jedi, shows up, how right. that relationship is going to work out, I do not know. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, um, I definitely didn't think he... he. I don't think he took it to, to return it to its owner, because I think by his thought process... If you got the armor off a Mandalorian, that Mandalorian is dead. But you are not a Mandalorian. Right, You're not supposed right. to have this. Don't it's you all think that armor smells bad? 
yeah. Like, oh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm sure the marshal cleaned I, it, right? Here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know what a sarlacc pit smells like, but mm. I am willing to put good Republic credits on the fact that it does not smell good. And, and you know, most Western marshals weren't known for their hygiene. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But at least the Banthas are clean. I mean, the uh, the uh, Tuscan Raiders are cleaning the teeth of the Banthas. I like that. Oh, that was a good little moment uh, for me personally. A lot of, um, lot, lot, yeah. Did you guys I, think uh, the, those? Th- oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Mike. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Uh, I was asking you guys, do you think those were fire, fire knocks that uh, killed Leguizamo? Uh, live action fire knocks? Do you think those were that? Maybe I was like oh, either that or they were uh, they were um, God. What are the they were rabid lothcats? Uh, I don't I don't know what they were. Um, <laughs> rabid lothcats. I like that. I uh, yeah. Well, but uh, speaking of that, one thing that I do love and Star Wars fans, us three included, are horrible mm-hmm. about this, and it always makes me laugh. Is when that trailer came out. We saw that shot of that city, and we were like, "Oh, you know, uh, graffiti. Look at this. It's not. It's not yeah. Tatooine, but it, it must be. Let's might might must be Lothal. It's Lothal. And then you get there, and you're like, I don't know where the fuck it is, but we're not gonna find out. <laughs> uh, and I do love the constant, like everything has to relate to something, and sometimes it's just a cool planet. Sometimes yeah. it's just a new place, which yeah. I do think is really funny. I still think we're going to Ilum, but we shall see. Yeah. I, I'm I'm still out of all the bets. I still think we're going to Ilum. Um, I like Oliphant taking off his hat as con- const- consistently taking off his helmet as a kind of, uh, I don't know, as a kind of subtle F you to the mandal without knowing. Like, I think it's a play with the fans, like, you know, him constantly taking off his helmet. Yeah. It was such a big deal in season one. I think they made a point of it to kind of have him take it off all the time to kind of like mess with the fans who were so all about this idea that he wouldn't take off his helmet the whole season with the Mandalorian. Well, and also you, you paid for the expensive face of Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> you, know, <Yeah>. you, <laughs> you probably want True. to see it. <laughs> and that hair. My God, his hair looked fantastic. I was so mad. How do you, you make know, your hair look that good on an outpost you know, uh, like that? There, there are certain people that won the genetic lottery in life. And <laughs> Timothy Oliphant, he's a tall, lean, muscular, good-looking guy with hair, with that great yeah. hair. I had a whole thought process that really kind of made myself oh, I like laugh. This. I was okay. watching this and he like took off the helmet and obviously, I was like, that's a, that's a good-looking man. But then I was like, God, that's great hair. And then I thought, how do you keep hair that great out in the desert? Exactly. It's a but good then I thought, well, you've been to Burning Man, and you've been out in the desert for 10 days, and you've seen some people that somehow managed to have some very nice hair. So I, it was a wash. It was a wash for me on the hair, but it definitely yeah. was lovely. Yeah, um, I would say the more natural oils you have in it, it's you you reach that point where like sort of the the apex of how good your hair is going to look is when it isn't washed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The one critique, and it's not even a critique because I'm super happy with the episode, but yeah. along the whole serialization of it all, because we do know a bit more uh, of what his drive is, which is find more mm-hmm. Mandalorians. I did wish we had gotten at least a little tit. And this is maybe not even a critique so much as like, I'm just so excited for next week. Uh, I wish we had gotten a tidbit of him getting a bit of direction. I mean, like in a classic, more serialized sense, you would follow John Leguizamo, uh, what he said, Gore Koresh said, and you'd go to Tatooine, you'd find Corvanth, you'd get Boba's armor, and something would say, oh, well you should go to Camino, or you should go here, or you should go to this planet we haven't heard of before. And as right. he takes off, we at least know that next week he's following a trail. Because yeah. as it is now, 
And I think this is intentional. I think this is what they want to do. So it's it's fine. I'm super happy with them doing it and they can keep doing whatever they want because it makes me happy. But I kind of like want to know, well, where is he going to end up next week? And, you know, maybe he's just going to be flying around and to Shannon's point, the New Republic is going to catch up with him and be like, oh, well, you know, let's yeah. chase this guy down. So I'm, you know, I, I think it's more that I'm just excited. I'm also a little bit, uh, I will say, excited and also nervous because I, I know everyone is so excited about Bo-Katan, Sabine mm. possibly, obviously Ahsoka. And I've already been talking with friends who are texting and they're saying, you know, well, I think that Ahsoka is going to help uh, Mando get the Darksaber from Gide- you know, Moff Gideon. And I really think that uh, Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau are going to use these characters from the animated series very sparingly. I, I, I think, think we're going to right. see... Ahsoka for one, maybe two episodes. I think it's going to be, I, I don't think she's diving in and becoming the hero of the show. It's Mando's show and it's Baby Yoda's show. And a, a part of me is happy that they're going to do that. And a part of me like feels like I'm going to be left disappointed because I love those characters so much. So I'm really mm-hmm. curious to see how these other characters are woven into the story uh, mm-hmm. and, and how fans are going to react to it. I think it's going to be a, a mixed bag. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to be having conversations about and to be looking at both at it in both ways. I I, I personally think it's, uh, I like that they, if they, if they use them sparingly, I'm happy for that actually, because we get a taste, they're officially live action. We know where they can go with it. And then maybe they spin off and do their own thing or whatever, but at least we got them to, to, to have a fun adventure live action. And we got to see that. I don't want them to be extensive, huge parts of the show. They've already built their own uh, mythology and own uh, stories. So I don't want them necessarily to be central parts of the show for a few episodes or have multiple episode arcs. I like it. We saw Cobb Vanth here, right? We Maybe we don't see him again for another five or six episodes, and that's fine. So maybe Ahsoka comes in for one episode yeah. or or maybe two or one, and then we don't sh- see her again till the finale or something. And they did such a good job. I think this is where I have the trust. Because uh, yeah. I think when we all watched first season, most people had the same reaction. We're like, each of these episodes is really good. Wish it could be a little longer. Right. This episode today was by far the longest Mando episode we've gotten. Yeah, that's uh, um, but there was kind of a, oh, well, each one is interesting, but where does it all fit? And then episode, uh, chapter seven and eight came along and brought all the characters together and just paid off every single character thing. Mm. Like, you know, like every single one of them, you were like, oh my God, this worked. Everything makes sense. I see why all these things happened, except for the Prison Break episode. Uh, and I'm curious to see if any of those characters come back around. I think yeah. um, I think Bill Bird did say he, he, yeah. was, com- he was coming, coming back. back. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how that wraps back around. But so same with this. Like yeah. when we get uh, Cobb Vanth in this episode, wherever we get Ahsoka, wherever we get Bo-Katan, if they kind of follow that same formula of we see them featured in an episode and it's super cool, and then we go away from that and Mando and Baby Yoda uh, mm-hmm. continue on their journey... I know he's supposed to be called the child, but I just can't not call him Baby Yoda. Uh, and then we get to the and then we get to the last two or so chapters of the season, and everything comes together. I mean, it worked so well in season one. I'd be super happy for that in season two. Yeah. yeah. Well, and have you guys? And this is a slight this is a slight tangent, but have you guys watched the Haunting of Bly Manor yet? No. Okay. I've so watched the a- first four. So the actor who plays the chef, Owen mm-hmm. Rahul Kohli, he tweeted something a little while ago where he said, I don't know if he was doing research or something, but he had, he was watching Rebels and there is a picture of Ezra Bridger on there. And so everyone went crazy for a second. It's like, oh my God, is this him saying he's playing Ezra Bridger? Oh yeah. And, you know, as we know, by the end of Rebels, uh, Sabine was off, was off looking for Ezra. So with 
with uh with uh ahsoka right yeah Ahsoka. yeah 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 so yeah that's possible and i think that could be it they're crossing paths as they're still looking for ezra or maybe ezra gets involved in some way and couldn't it be interesting if boba fett if this is boba fett and like you said mikey hates jedi here comes ezra bridger this could be a mind-blowing geek a mind-blowing geekgasm all over the place if all of these characters are involved in some sort of battle with each other do you know what's really funny and it'll be interesting to see how this all nets out in mm. the next decade or so but i do find it really funny is that star wars is kind of doing this thing that there's the jedi and then there's the low-key jedi right like like in the bigger story of star wars as we know it uh anakin skywalker killed all the jedi there was no Jedi for a while. Luke came back. Obi-Wan Kenobi found him. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda were hiding. As far as we knew, they were the only two Jedi left. Luke was the last hope. He was the return of the Jedi. He went off and retired. Rey was born. She goes and finds him. Her and Kylo Ren have a crazy love affair. Everybody gets mad about everything else. Rey is now a Skywalker. And that's this whole big top-line Jedi story. But meanwhile, we all know Ahsoka's been alive this whole time. She's not technically a Jedi because she walked away right. from the Order. But she's more cool and more powerful than any of them are. And then we have Ezra, who kind of disappeared so that he sort of skipped over all this stuff. So he was out of the action for the trilogy. But he's still out there. And it's like, we have these Jedi that the Star Wars fans are clearly more interested in than they are in Rey or anything else that's going on. So it'll be interesting to see if these stories of Ahsoka, of Ezra Bridger, end up sort of becoming the thing that drives Star Wars forward into its next generation more so than anything in episodes seven, eight, and nine. I kind of uh, feel like that's where we're headed, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I've said for a couple of years now that I'd like to see the great Jedi come into this or the great paladins come into this. Certainly Ahsoka could be considered a great Jedi. Uh, uh, Kane and Jairus could be considered a great Jedi. Ezra Bridger can be considered a great Jedi. Even uh, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn could be considered a great Jedi when he goes against the council to train Anakin. So this is idea of pushing back against the Jedi council, against the Jedi intelligentsia to separate themselves and understand that you can't just adhere to everything they say. You do have to sometimes uh, go into the gray areas between the Jedi and the Sith. And so to me, I like to see these Jedi. And I think that's why they appeal to a lot of people nowadays, Mike, because uh, and Shannon, because like nowadays we want our characters to have these layers of these shades of gray within them, not entirely all the way good, not entirely all the way bad, just something uh, that's interesting. Soprano, Tony Soprano, uh, Breaking Bad, all these leads that have been in these in these roles, they are kind of gray characters, and it's your decision whether you like them or don't like them. And the Jedi, they do lean more good, of course, obviously more overtly good, but at times they've done questionable things uh, to achieve certain goals. So I like that we're opening that door up a little bit more. Jenna, disagree, don't. disagree on Tony Soprano. I think he's he's don't, a bad guy. I don't, I don't quite. I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't quite. I don't quite. I don't quite agree on that uh, exactly. But I do agree. I do yeah. agree that the people that are not strictly speaking part of the Jedi Order are more interesting than right. the Jedi Order. I also think that Star Wars understand well. I will say that it's clear that Dave Filoni, in the arc of Clone Wars and the mm -hmm. way that he wrote Clone Wars and the what he did with Ahsoka. It's clear that Filoni also believes that the Jedi Order was flawed and that the yeah. better way to be was, I think it's less that the Jedi are pure good and the Sith are pure evil and all these great Jedi live, live in between like the Tony Sopranos. I think it's more that the Jedi Order was actually not inherently good. It was kind of inherently flawed. And Ahsoka and some of these other characters who walked away from that walked away from it because they were actually more true to what a Jedi should, a Jedi Knight mm. should be than what the Order had become. But... Yeah. 
that's what makes them so interesting. To your point is yeah. that they do live in this great area and there's lots more room for interpretation. Yeah, which is fun. Uh, one more thing to throw in this mix is what you guys were talking about. I want to bring this up real quick about uh, Boba Fett. I want to see if I can find it here because uh, carrying to the Legends universe, you were asking Michael, like, what's he's been up to? Where does he go? Uh, what's he up to now afterwards? And according to the Legends universe, he does retire uh, as a, a bounty hunter and becomes a journeyman protector which is one of a group of respected Outer Rim sheriffs following in the footsteps of his adopted grandfather, Jaster Muriel. So maybe that could be something Boba does. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, Star Wars does a really... Well, they do a really interesting thing now, which is which I think is good. I know that uh, you know. I remember. I think I was going to Disneyland the day that the news broke that Lucasfilm came out and said that all of the old novels and comics and all that stuff was moving to Legends category because none mm. of it was canon anymore because they wanted to sort right. of clear a path for this new direction and everybody was upset. But they've done a nice job of taking some of the things, whether it be the Old Republic, whether it be Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, yeah. And so Boba Fett still being alive is definitely something they're pulling from Legends, where right. you know right. there were all the stories and there was a whole mythology. And but it does feel a little bit like the idea of him becoming a protector, the idea of him becoming a journeyman, the idea of him be, like a lot of that was like some of it was given to Cobb Vanth, some of it was clearly given to uh, Mando and Mandalorian. And right. so I think it kind of clears the path for them to say okay, well, we will take the piece of Legends that says Boba survived the Sarlacc pit because we all like this character, but now we're going to do something very different and interesting. So I think that'll be... because it, Especially because in the interim of all of the Boba stories that kind of took place in the comics and some of the other novels, and now we have a lot more backstory on Boba through yeah. Clone Wars animated series. So yeah. the you know his sort of like burning hatred of the Jedi, a lot of that stuff that wasn't necessarily a part of his character then has been definitely uh, mm. added now. And so I think that they'll take little bits and pieces from the legend stuff and then kind of do their own thing with it. Yeah, that's certainly been the pattern they've been following so far. So why not continue that with Boba? Certainly, I just bring this up because like, you know, in if we talk about Western stuff in the Old West and you read the stories of the Old West, a lot of these people who started out as, as you know, outside the law or outlaws, whatever you want to say, become sheriffs or become lawmen in the history of depending on the town. So it would be fascinating if that's the way they go with Boba from bounty hunter to lawman and connecting with Cobb Vanth in that way. Who knows? Could be interesting to explore. One last thing I want to bring up. You guys are score whores. Ludwig Goranson's score in this. Did you like the sound cues? I mean, we had this very ominous stuff at the beginning. And then as soon as he, you know, leaves homie to die strung up on a lamppost, uh, the score all of a sudden completely changes. This is more adventurous. Da, 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 all this guy. Did you feel, did you enjoy the score? Did you feel some of these cuts were a little too extreme? What did you guys think about it overall? I feel like, I feel like you're leading the witness here a little bit, buddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking the question. I'm asking you guys know a lot about score. Didn't you think that this was all over the place? <laughs> I didn't say that. I just did some of the sound cues. It, it, that, that moment in particular did not stand out to me, but what I was okay. going to bring up earlier in our conversation just sort of progressed past it was as, as uh, Mando was rolling into the town, how they added that guitar into the theme mm, and i'm like yeah. oh this feels very old west right now right. especially with the music so i actually yeah. thought ludwig, they did a good job 
They like yeah. if you ever if you watch the behind the scenes stuff on Mandalorian, the episode with Ludwig Gordonson kind of doing his sound effects and his the way he kind of like creates the sound, or if you listen to anything of any of his interviews about Black Panther and stuff, I mean, like dude just yeah. sort of sits in a room with some like weird instruments and like goes to town. And so I love like I love it because I think that the reason that he gets a lot of work, the reason people really love what he's doing, is because mm-hmm. he is sort of unexpected. Like you, like you, like like you can have somebody come in and be like, I want sort of a Western riff with some sci-fi. This, but he's finding these instruments. He's finding this way into it that like it kind of makes it come alive. And I I really enjoy it. Nothing stood out to me yeah. in a bad way. I was okay. just like enjoying that Ludwig Göransson score. Like his he's he's kind of like the newest composer around where he's very distinctive. Yeah. Like, yep. like he's out of, out of, I'm trying to think in recent memory. I mean, you know, you have your, obviously your John Williams and your mm-hmm. Alan Silvestri's and then you have your Hans Zimmer's and you have like, you know, but like he's, he's definitely one who, uh, he's being sought out because he's giving you a very specific thing. And, yeah. and I really, I dig it so far. Alexander Despot's another one of those that does that yeah. as well. So you have those combos. Certainly there's a lot of, there seems to be a new crop of composers that have taken the lessons from the legendary composers and really kind of yeah. gone even deeper into that. And you're seeing that. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't pretend to be a score whore in any way, shape or form, but certain scores do jump out and step out and, and you just can't help but appreciate them. Certainly the Joker score, another fantastic score as well. Yeah. When you listen to it, it puts you completely in the mind and the vibe of that movie. I can't listen to it. Yeah, because it makes you angry makes, when you listen get, to get, it. It's so good. You yeah. get anxious. Get you get anxious. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't listen to it while driving or, or oh, yeah. at work I, I was at work i remember listening i was getting angry as i was typing because i was like this is no it's the wrong idea turn it off but uh, i will say one last thing about Lily gorson we uh, lily and i are on a community rewatch for me her first time through and when his name came up on the score i was like are you kidding me i totally <laughs> forgotten and it's adding just such an extra element to enjoy his music in the multiple episodes and those episodes go in different directions and tackle different genres and different. So yeah. Ludwig certainly learning how to create music for these genres uh, on community uh, must have been a great testing ground for him to discover what we see later on in the last few years with his scores in these movies and other TV shows as well. So where are you guys? Stuff. Where are you guys in your rewatch right well, now? Well, I just finished episode six of season two. Oh, you're and in the sweet been, spot. You're in the yeah, sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, we've been okay. burning through. Uh, and she loved the paintball episode. We loved the Halloween episode, the zombie Halloween episode, which yeah. is genius. Uh, and we just finished the Pierce discovering the trampoline with enough <laughs> after after Je- Jeff, Jeff and uh, Jeff, yeah, Jeff and yeah, Troy, yeah, which is and a great <laughs> ending with the whole him being a white supremacist thing. I just was genius. So so uh, good. Yeah, it carries a whole nother level of things now. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we're talking about the Mandalorian. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so very clearly to you all who are watching or listening to us, all three of us absolutely love this. Great way to come back for season two. Written and directed by John Favreau, who, of course, is a series creator, along with Dave Filoni. So exciting stuff to start off this thing. Uh, and looking forward to episode two, where we're going. And I love, I love that we've got these kernels of stuff now laid the groundwork for season two. And we'll see uh, what fruit they yield as we go along. Also, yeah, like, just not for nothing, and this was another thought that I had, like... Yeah. <clears throat> Mandalorian is going to take us right into uh, WandaVision coming out, and WandaVision is hopefully going to take us right into uh, hopefully Falcon. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I feel like we are, like, I think no. we said this on the main show, but uh, it just made me really excited that we're stepping into this era now mm-hmm. after after a dry spell for a while where I think we're going to have some really fun, geeky stuff to talk about on Disney Plus yeah. pretty much every week for the foreseeable future. 
and it's all streaming just letting you just putting it out there all right well thanks everybody for watching this review of uh episode one of season two of the mandalorian chapter nine the marshal let us know what you thought down there in that comment section below and hit that like button as well shannon what do we got to tell them yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vocal, it's at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, and we definitely uh, want to keep this conversation going, just like we do each week on our main Geek Buddies show. And like Johnny said, definitely hit the like button, subscribe to his page, leave us comments below. What are your theories? Where do you think Mando is going next? Is Boba Fett is Boba Fett aging correctly, or is John <laughs> wrong? Let's find out. No, Let us no, know what you think. No. <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, fall on the Boba Fett thing. Yeah. Uh, and in addition, uh, if you are listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, definitely rank us there, rate us there, leave us some comments there as well. It helps us go up and in the rankings and get more followers. And uh, retweet this video, post it on your Facebook page, send it to your friends, say, hey, these guys are completely ridiculous, but they're talking about Mando. Check it out. And then we get more buddies joining the geek conversation. Absolutely. There you go. And we'll be back uh, every week with one of these reviews of The Mandalorian as we go along. And as, uh, there we go. As Michael said, maybe jumping into WandaVision as well as we keep it going all the way through. So look for more content here from the Geek Buddies on our podcast feed or on here on the YouTube channel, the Outlaw Nation YouTube channel. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for watching. And we'll talk to you next time with another episode from The Geek <laughs> hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.